in 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 college and in uh, in seminary school, we do things called surveys, um, which is kind of a, a brief treatment of a topic, uh, with the intent to elaborate later, and that's what hopefully you guys will do after uh, we talk about what we're going to talk about today. Um, well, also, it's actually like kind of a, a fancy way of saying that this whole sermon is really kind of incomplete, uh, and it requires further meditation, study, and prayer um, on my part as well. And of course, hopefully you guys will go ahead and do that together. Um, was anybody here last time I spoke, back in January? We get a, remember a good idea of what we were talking about, kind of talking about unity in the church, sticking together and trying to figure out who we are together. Um, today we're going to talk about who who that is that's trying to stick together, you know, besides this particular fellowship. Um, and I wanted to start with a story. Um, I haven't been a Christian all that long, um, maybe like three or four years. Um, so way back when I was reading the Bible, I had this epiphany, you know, like uh, the church isn't necessarily this building a monolithic thing that I've been, you know, thought it was while I was growing up, a non-Christian, you know, this thing that's trying to wrestle power from the world and, and trying to take money for itself. I learned that it hasn't anything like that at all. And in fact, um, it's a movement, which is a movement rather than saying like an institution. Um, it's become an institution in a lot of ways. But if we can get back to what Jesus was talking about, I think he was talking about more of this group of people. Um, and especially this group of people who have all lived through an experience together um, and have come out changed. Uh, and that experience together was an encounter with the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ. Morris. Amen. Thank you. Right on cue. Well, why does this matter? Uh, I, I think if we get an idea kind of like this, we get a greater understanding of our problems, not necessarily you know, the church's problems, we got them, um, but you know each other's problems as well uh, within the body. We get to know our place in the greater story of God's work on earth, uh, which a big seminary term for Morris is meta-narrative. Look it up. Um, it means big story, by the way. Uh, don't look it up. <laughs> it's also a recognition of the immensity of grace and the realization that God is bigger than American. I'm going to get through it. Protestantism. Awesome. Uh, God is bigger than that, which blew my mind when I realized that. Uh, I don't know if I really realize that, so we're in it together. Um, so finally, we can work together to know our worth to that big God. So if that God is really big, our worth to him is really big, and it's amazing how much he loves us. So where am I going to start today? I think I'm going to do like I did last service because it's on the thing, uh, I'm start with Israel, especially way back in Genesis. Um, I'm going to start with Genesis 12, 2-4, which I'll read to you. Um, the call of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Um, there's a lot of Bible scholars and, and, and people kind of like that who would like to claim that the, the whole of Scripture is, it 
hinges on that particular statement. Um, I disagree a little bit, uh, but it is really important because we see the formation of what we call the nation of Israel. And um, the church, according to uh, a lot of different themes, well, some themes in the New Testament, the church is the new Israel that, that Jesus started, sort of. Um, Paul discusses this. Right on. Uh, Paul discusses this uh, more at length in Romans chapter 9 through 11. Uh, it's big, long. It wouldn't fit on the screen, and it would take a long time to go through. It was like four messages put together. Uh, so, you guys, sorry, it's not up there. Um, promise that's what it's about. Seriously, it's good. Um, but First Peter 2, 9 through 10 has the same theme, and if, uh, I'll, I'll read it to you, sure. Uh, talking about the church as God's chosen people. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that's steeped in the language of people who would understand the idea of God's chosen and the identity thereof. Um, I would like to talk to you about some things having to do with God's people, chosen people. Um, God had this way of using Israel in surprising, unexpected, well, expected ways, um, using unlikely heroes, taking things um, culturally taken for granted and turning them on their side. Uh, we talk about the history of the patriarchs. Jacob was a second-born son, uh, which in the ancient Middle East was, you know, he never really blessed the second son. It's always the firstborn that gets the blessing. Um, it's pretty well known nowadays. Uh, Joseph was a runt. Um, didn't really think any, nobody thought he'd amount to anything, and look how far he went. What a guy. <laughs> I like Joseph. I heard a really great message by David Jeremiah about Joseph. It was awesome. Yeah. King David, another favorite uh, Old Testament figure. Uh, he was kind of a, a skinny young guy. Uh, his dad really didn't even think enough of him to volunteer him. Uh, he was a shepherd. I called him like the uh, equivalent to a garbage man last service, which wasn't nice. Um, so I'll just cut to he's a, a laborer, he's a shepherd not really a high station. And, and David is ultimately an adulterer, which, uh, you know, we kind of don't really like to talk about in the church these days. Um, but my favorite figure among these many people is, is Jonah. Uh, this guy was an obstinate racist. He didn't want to talk to the Ninevites. He didn't want to tell them about God. He didn't want to tell them about, you know, God's story. He did that, and he openly defied God and, keep, and chose ways to get out of God's uh, will to go and tell them, but God decided to do it anyway. So it's a reflection of Israel as a people. So Israel as a people continued in disobedience. You know, they, they had an extraordinary super, supernatural act of salvation, right? Uh, you guys remember Exodus, the big flaming pillar of smoke in the seas and Charlton Heston and like all this 
great special effects. It's awesome. Kurt or uh, James Cameron did a special on it. It's really weird looking. Um, it's a template for how God will save the rest of the world, all the nations, right? Um, and and that becomes basically the identity of the Israelites is remembering that fact. That whole situation is is in remembrance after that. Um, does the supernatural act of salvation sound familiar to us as a church? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, saved by Christ and his work on the cross. Uh, and, and, okay, so even if they, even though they, they were disobedient, they, continu God continued to work through them and, and loved them. Not only did he work through them, but he, he like, loved them, you know? Does that sound familiar, you know? Because um, I, I mess up all the time, and I don't know that God still loves me. It's pretty cool. Um, and just as an aside, um, the work of the, the, I don't really remember how this tied in, but I really wanted to say it, so take it for what it's worth. Um, the work of the prophets, you know, is not necessarily to tell the future. Um, you know, we think of prophecy as what's going to happen way down the line. It was actually a way for God to let his people know the direction of his will and the character of God and to steer, him, steer them in the right direction. So when people don't listen to prophets and just kind of ignore them and stone them, they're ultimately being disobedient. Maybe that's how it tied in. Yeah, cool. Um, Israel was made up of, and is, I guess, uh, made up of people just like you and me. Um, real flesh and blood folks. Um, they probably didn't have laptop computers to do their sermons, but they probably had a lot of the same things like feet and arms. Um, and like you and I, uh, with their faith, they had varying levels of participation and belief. Uh, God gets mad at them a lot for idolatry and polytheism, right? Because they don't really know what's going on half the time, so they think that they'll just pray to some other God. Um, and I think that a lot, of, a lot of people in the church might do something kind of like that. I don't know. I'm not them. Whatever. Um, but what was the one thing that made them special? Uh, it, was, it was who they called Elohim or Yahweh, or we call him God. Uh, it'd be cool if nowadays we could call him Elohim or Yahweh or like all the other cool ones, but we speak English, so we'll just use God. It just sounds weird when you say Elohim all the time. Anyway. God's choice ultimately was to work through the Israelites, and this is a nobody group of herders living in the middle of nowhere which was actually between two huge land, land empires at the time, which is actually really important uh, and kind of shows how smart God is to put them in the... Well, anyway, why is it important that God would use these guys? Because God is going to use the underdog, not the major powers, right? Awesome. <laughs> God, <laughs> God uses these little guys to try to teach something about who God is to the broader world. And... um. I'd like to think that's the same with us. Um, it kind of looks a little bit different than that nowadays, but I think that's the, the, what we're born into once we become born again through Christ. Um, we're made special only through a willful act of God to save us with his blood. And at last service, we had a really great running joke where I'd get up to the mic and say, blood, because um, we, we thought it was kind of threatening because um, people don't talk about it anymore. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do that again because it's kind of funny <coughs> to me. Um, 
<laughs> the church's bride, which is a reflection on Christ's love for the church, found in uh, Ephesians 5, 22 to 23. Again, long. Um, it would take a while to read through it. It's, on, it's in your Bible, which I'm sure many of you have. And if you don't, there's some back there. Uh, I'll take a look at it. I seriously promise it's in there. Um, so if you, don't, if you don't trust me, that's fine. You can take a look at it. Um, but it is, it is showing that our relationship to Christ is much like you know being his wife, which sounds kind of weird again, but we are actively engaged in continuing his work as the bride would be engaged in the life of their husband. Um, and let's talk about Colossians 3, 2 through 4, where uh, we're hidden in Christ, and this is where I got that idea from. Uh, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So whilst being the bride, we are also hidden in Christ, therefore guarded and given power to do his will on earth. Um, Romans 7.4 is, is another great marriage kind of tying together metaphor. Uh, that you might be belong that you might belong to another to him to another not like one another but another person to him was a raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God uh, what work is it well I think our work as the bride is uh, the work of Jesus in his life on earth the work of healing you know serving feeding uh, relieving the thirsty visiting prisoners and all that uh, essentially witnessing the power of Christ to save uh, all of creation, not just us, but all of creation. Awesome. Um, and service to, God, to, service to God by service to his special creation, us, is prime characteristic of his bride. Um, I think I said that better last time. The church should be especially aware of the sin in our own lives, humbling us, not discouraging us. Um, I think sometimes we kind of uh, let the sins in our lives really bring us down, and maybe they should a little bit, but only to put us on our knees. Ooh, that was like old-style preaching, man. Um, <laughs> cool. Paul talks about this in Romans 17 through 24. It's an acknowledgment of his sin in his life. Um, some of you will remember from the series we did here, um, I think we called it the doo-doo passage, someone where he does what he does not want to do, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's a recognition of the sin in Paul's life and that he's not perfect, God's perfect. Uh, the sins that we are guilty of do not define our identity. Uh, when, we get, when we get caught in alcohol, we get called a drunk. Um, if we are in, caught in adultery, we're, taught, we're called an adulterer. I mean, I guess technically that's what we've done, but we're actually children of God. That's, that's our identity. We're in the church. Um, it's the justifying blood of Christ that is our identity. Blood. There we go. Yeah. That's for the uh, veterans here. The justifying blood of Christ is our identity, which helps us towards our sanctification. Justification being that once and for all time when we're relieved of the... Of, of, of the um, guilt and sanctification is where we are. God makes us holier as we go uh, if we allow him to do so 
I got this little nugget of wisdom from Morris, which from his announcements, I don't know if I should call it wisdom anymore. Um, <laughs> love you. <laughs> Ah, oh, sorry, I heckle you too much. You don't ever heckle me, man. That's, that's just mean. I'm, I'm in sin, man. Forgive me? Thank you. All right. Um, but he, he told me once that the church could be thought of as, a, as, as not a hotel for saints, but a hospital for sinners, which is great because, you know, it really it, it has the same medical language that Jesus, is, Jesus has used, you know. Um, sick, sick need the doctors, not, not the the healthy, right? Yes. Thank you. Um, and Romans 5, 8 uh, talks about how Jesus came for the unrighteous. Uh, he said, it, it says he died for us when we were still sinners. It goes on. Romans 5, did you, all right, little story. Uh, Wesley got kicked out of a church for, te- for preaching Romans 5 once. Um, which seems weird, you know, getting te- kicked out of a church for preaching something out of the Bible. But um, yeah, he was kicked out of a church for preaching Romans 5. Um, just go read it. Why not? In the church, we should be best empathize, best able to empathize with the plight of the lost, since we're so aware of the sin in our lives um, that humbles us and remi- reminds us of who God is and what He's done for us. And so we should be best able to sympathize, but but are we? You know, I don't know. Um, I know I'm not. Uh, when I was in a band. I was in a band with a bunch of people who really didn't really care for God much, and I didn't care for the fact that I liked God much, and um, made me really angry. We got into a lot of fights. It wasn't really the best witness. Um, I'm getting better, hopefully, um, and I'd like to help you guys get better, and we could do it together. So ultimately, if we could try to use something that resembles sanctified speech versus sanctimonious speech to talk about sin and what God can do for other people and does for us, um, it would make everything go a lot smoother, I think. Now, how many of you guys know the show Law and Order? Would anybody like to do an impression of that cool sound they do in it? Wow. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> you never seen it? <laughs> All right, well, okay, so it, it, it makes this weird sound. It's like two of those, like bump, bump, and it's really cool. I don't even know how they made it. And I thought it would be awesome if I could press a button and it would make that sound. I said law and order. I didn't know how to do that. Um, so here we are. But um, I want to give you a law and order analogy to, to what separates us from the rest of humanity in the church. Uh, we're not separated. We're separated by the commission. We're not... Excuse me, hold on. We're not separated by the commission of offense. You know, we're all, we're all sinning, they're sinning. Um, what separates us is the commutation of the sentence. Um, and that would be the, the, the blood of Christ that commutes that sentence once we allow Jesus to come into our lives. Um, and that, that Im- implies that holiness is not ours in origin. Try as hard as we might, it's, it's, it's not ours. Holiness is imparted to us from God. That's something to remember as we you know, get real proud of being real good. Um, I, I do it all the time. Uh, and I get struck down. So 
maybe we could stop yelling at the lost for being lost. Um, they don't know anything about the blood. Um, and we do, so let's tell them about it. Nicely, and not throwing Bibles at them. Which is what I did. And that was a mistake. A bad mistake. Yes. Morris. Amen. Thank you. Uh, finally, the, the church is knowing its place. Um, and and here, here's what, what I'd like to call my, my uh, attempt at a Christological hymn. Uh, is everybody comfortable with the term Christological? About Christ? Hymn? Okay. Right? Everybody okay? Good? All right. Um, we're in desperate need of the love and mercy of Christ, uh, who loved the unlovable, who did for us what we could not do ourselves, who speaks on our behalf even when we condemn ourselves when condemned by the enemy. Um, one of the coolest things that I've ever learned about Jesus is that he's on the right hand of God and he's constantly... And, and so take out the whole Trinitarian thing for a minute and just imagine, if you will, Jesus talking to Father, saying, hey, listen, these guys are cool. They're with me. Um, Satan's saying some like pretty lame stuff to do. They're with me, so it's cool. I got, they got the blood. And um, that was a really cool thing for me because re I realized that, 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 once again, it's Jesus doing it for me, and I can't do it on my own. Um, so I don't really... Is this message more about relying on Christ than I thought? Awesome. I feel good about that. The Spirit is good, amen? Um, finally, here's one of the things that, that as I learn more about it in class, is something that really gets me kind of just super stoked about um, hopefully being in church and, uh, and, and living, uh, living for Christ, maybe like Christ. Um, the church is the living, breathing enactment of God's kingdom on earth. Now, we shouldn't ever think that the church is God's kingdom. It's a part of God's kingdom. Um, Everything that is in God's will is God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I'd like to think that, you know, most of the time the church is in God's will. So we're an expression of God's kingdom on earth. And uh, that we know that the ruler of that kingdom is Christ, God. Uh, the confession that Jesus is our Lord, which is a slap in the face to Caesar back in the day. and. Um, you know, Kurt talks about how we don't really have kind of a, um, a, a like way of saying that here uh, these days. Um, I disagree. It just takes a different form. And if you'd like to talk about that after, I don't have time here. Let's do it. Um, but Jesus is Lord, showing that he is the commander-in-chief of all of um, the things that happen in his kingdom. And this is a radical shift especially because Jesus didn't do things as expected to the world, okay? Uh, for instance, he didn't restore the political power, and Jill is cracking up, man. <laughs> um, Jesus, I shouldn't have called you out, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Um, I just want to know what's funny. Jesus didn't do as expected. Um, he restored. He did not restore the political worldly power of the Davidic line. Instead, um, he went to the cross, uh, which was, you know, Peter didn't think that that was that, that, that good of an idea, but Jesus had another idea, which was better. Um, and rather than granting his church power and dominion over the earth in earthly ways, he granted us the power of living 
powerfully in his sacrifice, which is thus the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you. I gotta, we got to work out a wink system so I don't look so dumb, you know, <laughs> like a gesticulation. I don't know, whatever. Um, also, the church should be constantly surprised by the work of the Spirit. Uh, just as Jesus was unexpected in his day when he told parables that didn't make sense um, to the people that were listening to him, the Spirit does completely crazy and unexpected things in our lives. I just did the podium smash. Yes! Awesome. Um, the apostles were constantly surprised by Jesus. Jesus isn't here uh, in, in, his, in his earthly form. We're left with the Spirit. We should be constantly surprised by what he does in us and in other people within the church, outside the church. Just a thought. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about something that Luther said, Luther being a major leader in the Protestant Reformation. Um, in the, he had a document called the Heidelberg Disputation, which is where he kind of went to the, the Catholic bigwigs and said, hey, this is what I disagree with dudes. Um, it's long, it's boring, I'm not going to quote it because I don't know if I could say it. Um, but the coolest thing about it is um, Luther called Christians fools in shorthand. He, didn't, he said Christians like three times, but the rest of it he called us fools. And it's not like he's calling us you know, dumb, um, not ignorant, but aware of the wisdom of God, knowing that we are comparatively less smart than God, which is awesome. We should allow God to be wise. Um, Finally, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the worldwide kingdom. I don't have a good segue for that, and I do apologize. Um, but it makes sense. We just talked about Wycliffe uh, and the guy playing the guitar, which is awesome. I think it might be a Les Paul. No, it's not a Les Paul. Oh, OK. Um, the number of adherents to the faith in the world, uh, some numbers say 1.5 billion. Others say 2.1 billion. Uh, so a whole lot of people, uh, we talk about numbers a lot on Wednesday nights, but don't be scared. Wednesday nights are awesome. Um, talk about like big, crazy numbers, not like how many people can we get in a church. Uh, awkward. Um, these 2.1 billion are split into around 35,000 separate denominations. I don't know exactly how many are represented in Melbourne. Um, it's a few, it's a lot, but it's not 34,000. Um, and those 2.1 or 1.5 billion, depending on how you count them, uh, is roughly a third of the planet, which is a big kingdom. Nah, no, don't do anything in there. I thought it would be cool with that. Um, funnily enough, uh, the numbers are falling in the developed world, um, where, where the church is kind of, you know, present and has been for a long time, but, you know, Actually, it's pretty cool because in the developing world, which is um, a PC way of saying poor, the numbers are rising of church membership, Catholic church membership, small c, universal Catholic, uh, which is, makes sense considering the message of the gospel, right? Um, the poor, the downtrodden, the people, the slaves. Um, you know, Jesus' people, right? Uh, almost all cultures are represented, almost all nations. Uh, you can see here that there's a church presence everywhere except for where there's like penguins and stuff. And if someone wants to be a missionary to penguins, I think it's a bad idea, but go for it. I like penguins. Go to SeaWorld. 
Maybe they'll like get on this. Never mind. It's, uh, awesome. So, almost all nations, almost all cultures, which is cool, especially in consideration of that Genesis passage we were talking about earlier. Um, we're getting there. We're still not there. Uh, there are myriads of different ideas, traditions, worship styles, and experiences with Jesus. Um, and a lot of them, this is scary, a lot of them don't necessarily fall in line with English or Germanic-oriented theology. And English slash Germanic is a nice way for me to say white. Um, just something to keep in mind. The question is, is God big enough to save all these people? That's a question to you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the other question is, <laughs> the other question is, are we big enough to argue? Morris? Yes. No. No. The answer is no. That's twice you got it wrong. <laughs> Dang. Uh, the answer is no. We're not big enough to argue. And um, even though we've done a lot of thinking, a lot of studying, a lot of uh, really great things to understand who God is, he's still God. And um, he'll do what he wants to save the people um, in the world. I had a, I had a one story that I was going to tell um, that might have been a little bit funnier but I think this one is a little bit more effective and I like telling it more. Um, the other day at our chapel at school, we had a guy come um, from India whose name was Pabu. Uh, I'm immature and I kind of laughed at his name a little bit because Pabu is a funny word. Um, but he spoke and it was amazing. This guy went to Orissa, which is a part of India that's, you know, the boondocks, like out in the middle of nowhere. And in India, there's Muslims, and we always think of the Muslims who are like really violent, which you know isn't necessarily all Muslims, but we think of them as the people that are going to be persecuting the church. But actually, in India, there's this nationalistic strain of Hinduism, and we usually think of Hindus as, as peaceful and hanging out and, and, and meditating, but actually in this part, they're, they're violent, and it's a religion mixed with this um, cultural nationalism, uh, wanting to make... The, the religion, the state religion of India. So what, what happens is, is, is they'll go out to the country and they'll put up a church and all these believers will start working on a church and um, some Hindu folks will go and they'll put a, a temple like across the street and um, you know guard it with guns and everything and then they'll tell the government, the government says, whoa, 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 church guys, no way. There's, a, there's these, this other temple over there. So they have to stop building this temple because there's a few rules um, that are there to, to, so you can't put so many temples and churches around together. And it's kind of biased towards Hinduism, whatever. Um, and so Pabu was out there and he saw this and then they decided to go down the street. This uh, really great guy, great believer, um, said, okay, you can have some of my land. He had a big bunch of Indian beautiful land and they put a church on it um, and they got it burned down and people were beat up and they had their businesses torched. And this is like when I say backwoods, um, you know, we don't really have anything like that here. Like, as far as we can go in America is not as far as you can go in India. Um, so when they have their businesses destroyed, they're done, their life is over, and all they have left is the love of Christ, and I think that's amazing. Um, thank you. Um, and he told us that how even though their churches have been destroyed and even though the, there's, there's still people being 
persecuted, like this is seriously literal persecution, persecution, not like cultural persecution like we have here that we're also worried about. People getting beat up, killed, and their churches being destroyed happening in India and Asia, Africa. Um, they still keep going because they're actually reading the Bible, uh, which is awesome. Um, which was way better than this silly story that I had. Um, anyway. So, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, if we could just keep the persecuted church in the rest of the world in our prayers. Um, got a lot of people at home who need us, who need our help as well. Um, but we should be praying for everybody if we can. Um, and just keep them in mind. This is something that's really close to my heart. Uh, I'm not, I don't think a missionary per se. Um, but I know that God is because he came down to see us and served us. Um, so can God, can we, can, we, can we as a church cooperate with things like cultural identity to make the story of Jesus available to transform? Well, obviously, since we're doing this wicked thing with electric guitars, um, we're doing something. Um, shredding for Jesus, obviously, in Papua New Guinea, which is definitely what I had in mind. Um, but we can use what people have already to make them understand and, 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 and tell people the transforming story of Jesus, the gospel, um, which is powerful, how big the gospel really is. Um, sorry, to, I use all these big terms because I think it's cool. So, um, we give lip service to this huge God. I know I am. I don't always seem willing to allow him to have mercy on whom he will have mercy on. I, I'll tell you guys, I feel like I'm mad at somebody half the time anyway, um, and it's something I need forgiveness for. Um, but just keep in mind that, that, that God is in control of, of salvation, and, and we're not. Uh, and, and this is similar in a lot of ways to Jonah, who wanted to use our, and he, we use our own rebellious nature to, uh, to speak for God in ways that we shouldn't. Um, so, I don't know, it's there. Maybe try not to do it, I don't know. And don't take this as an admonishment. I'm chief among the people that do that. Um, I'm young and immature, I know it. But this all started at the beginning with the call of Abram. Um, and this is, this is really cool. Here's where the, the Bible scholarship comes out. Uh, Right after, is right after the, the Babylonian splintering is when Abraham gets called. And, and, and if you know the story, um, man decides to build this tower to heaven and then realizes uh, we're awesome. And God says, uh-uh, and, and breaks the tower and then gives everybody a different language and scatters them across the world. So nobody can talk to each other, which sucks. Um, so we can't, we shouldn't be able to communicate. But... And this is where it gets awesome. The church, through Christ, can bring together the splinter of Babylon and thus bring together the kingdom of God. Yeah. Thanks. And, um, man, without words, excuse me. Uh, I'll close with a prayer. This, um, as a young Christian and as a nerd, I am kind of fascinated by the way that people have worshipped and the way that people have served and, and, and experienced and <coughs> expressed the way that, that, that Christ loved them and the way they love Christ since you know the church started. And this is an old tradition um, where, where people who were thinking about God or, or who were writing about God would add a prayer 
Um, and I did that. So um, I'll close with this prayer. Um, so let's pray together. Uh, Father God, may we let God be God. May we let the Spirit guide. May we let the Son be Lord. And may we refuse to divide. Amen.